Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, Jake. Yes, sir. Did you know it is our anniversary month? How long have we been married? (laughs) No, the show. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I did know The that, show's actually. anniversary. We are turning six years old, and to celebrate that- We're going to first grade. We're <laughs> close. We're giving a discount on our Patreon. If you join the year-long subscription to the Patreon, you can get 15% off during the month of May. You can find out everything about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thecritshow, but all tiers for the month of May are 15% off when you sign up for the annual membership. Is that as exciting as first grade? You know, now that I'm kind of remembering back to first grade, that's far better than first grade. Everybody, Rev here. A couple of things before we get into this week's episode. First, I want to take a moment to explain a reaction for those of you who uh, aren't aware of it. In the last episode, when they heard the name of the person who was Mercury, uh, there were some sharp responses around the table, and that's not a name that all of you have heard before. And I've gotten a couple of emails asking why they reacted to that name. That is because that is a name of a villain that we encountered in Tass's Hero Salad game, which is on our Patreon, and he was quite a pain in my ass in particular. Uh, So that was just a nice little omniverse moment there. Which brings me into a wonderful segue, uh, our Patreon. I'd like to take a moment to thank the patrons who joined us in the month of October. Chandler Bolding Martinez, Jeremy Dunlap, Brian Pike, Matt, Casey Fate, Ted Kern, Dante Ryman, Robin Mims, Morgan DeEd, Quentin Reichdahl, Audrey, Alex Stowe, Butobel, and Daniel De La Vega. So thank you for joining us on Patreon, and thank you to all of our patrons who join us every month. If you would like to support us and the things we create, you can head over to patreon.com slash thecritshow. Tiers begin at just $1, and that gets you access to our Discord server. And the $5 tier gets you access to Tassa's Hero Salad campaign, our current Perilous Tides campaign, which is Rapscallions. It also gets you access to all of our Tales from the Omniverse games, which include Fate of Cthulhu, Pugmire, a very cool Neverland hack, all kinds of stories that um, the Game Masters were really passionate about telling. Uh, and those can range anywhere from three episodes to, I think, a dozen episodes. So again, you can head over to patreon.com slash show to learn all about our tiers. All of our patronage goes to supporting the things that we create and the people who create it. So we thank you so much for those of you who join us over there. Uh, And as we are getting towards the holiday season, we've mentioned signing up for the mailing list before the IPT Secure Dispatch. Uh, But today I want to take just a moment to make sure that folks are receiving the dispatch, uh, especially those of you who use Gmail, uh, because we're gearing up to do some merch-related things uh, around Black Friday and Cyber Monday. So we want to make sure that you're getting the things we're actually sending out to you. Uh, We have discovered lately that some folks in our Discord 
are not getting the messages we send out, uh, and then they're finding them in their promotions folder or their junk folder, which is a separate section of your Gmail. And if you're a person who doesn't check those sections very often, you might be missing some discounts or some reduced merchandise or uh, the release of some new items. So if you're a Gmail user and you're on a computer, to make sure that all of the future messages from us go to your primary inbox instead of your promotions, you can literally just drag any one of the messages we've sent you from that tab over to the primary tab and then click yes when they ask uh, if you want to make this change permanent. And if you're on a mobile device, you just open the email, click the three little dots menu in the corner and click move to and then select primary. Uh, if you're more of a visual person and hearing me explain how to adjust this does not help you at all, uh, you can go over to the thecritshowpodcast.com slash dispatch uh, where you can see just a quick little video about how to do these things. And if you think that you're on our mailing list but you can't find the messages we're sending you today, we did send out a message yesterday titled, May the Force Be With You. And so you can search your Gmail account and figure out where that went. If you think you're on our mailing list but you still can't see the messages, uh, you can also go to that same page to check your email address and check the status and, and see that you are in fact signed up or if you're not. And we want to make sure that everybody who wants to be seeing these emails are uh, because in addition to new merch and discounts and things like that, uh, I'm also working on another free mystery which will be sent out to the mailing list in just a few weeks. So uh, again, if you have any questions about that, you can head over to thecritshowpodcast.com slash dispatch. And speaking of the email entitled May the Force Be With You, this is a reminder that next Monday, November the 8th, we will be starting our Omniverse Chronicles stream, Star Wars Force and Destiny. I am very excited to play this game. Uh, that will be every Monday for the next eight weeks over at twitch.tv slash thecritshow. And that'll be starting every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and then if you are unable to make it at that time and you want to catch up on the videos of that show or any of the other shows that we've done on Twitch, you can head over to youtube.com slash thecritshow. Uh, and then lastly, just a reminder that you've got just a few days left if you want to submit your Halloween costume or your pet costumes to be entered into our annual Crit or Treat costume contest. I have bought the boxes that we're going to cram the prizes into. I'm, I am actually very excited about making these prize boxes because it's just going to kind of be a deluge of whatever it is the people feel like adding uh, based off what we know about the winner in their costume. So you can submit those by tagging us at The Crit Show on Twitter or by emailing those to us at thecast at thecritshowpodcast.com. And I think that's it. How many times in the course of the last five minutes can I say something, something, something slash thecritshowpodcast.com? I think the real takeaway here is that if you ever want to know how to find us on anything ever, just go to it and put in slash the crit show. <laughs> All right. And with that, it's time to get into the episode. Jake, the last thing you remember is being dragged into a stairwell by a member of New Canterbury and then being bitten on the neck and then everything going fuzzy. You can vaguely remember the sound of an explosion and familiar voices shouting, then the sensation of being picked up, carried, and then falling. And as your senses start to return to you, there is a haze of dust in the night sky. All around you are the sounds of shouting voices. As Jake looks around, what does he see? The moment we appear on the other side of the vault and I watch it fall, I scream and start trying to run back into the building. No, Kim, no. I, I'm going to leap forward and try to get my arm around her waist to drag her back. <laughs> Let me go. No, we can't go back for her yet. It's too dangerous. She's dead. 
and I just start crying into his chest. I literally am like picking her up and coming back to the group and holding her. No, she's not. That wouldn't take her out. Yes, it, it, it would. It's all of the jars were in the vault. Kim, hey, focus. Come on. They're not. They're not all in the vault. I'll explain later. But if he still has it, Damien has one of her organs. We can save her. But we have to go now. And as this conversation is happening, all the oracles are rushing across the street towards all of you. Megan, what are you doing? I think I'm just trying to get all of the oracles across the street to safety. I'm, I'm definitely looking out to see if there were any other vampires that we missed. As the field has come down from the shadows, you do see maybe half a dozen as if they were just there, just in case. Everybody pull back. Everybody get over here. Get over to the side. And I'm taking shots at vampires. And as Megan is firing her repeating crossbow at the remaining vampires, Jake, your senses are finally stable enough where you can kind of process everything that is happening. What are you doing? The rookery. Everyone fall back to the rookery. Wait. And I want to grab Kester. Aiden thinks that the two of you are dead. We should keep it that way. Megan, can you get them somewhere safe? Yeah, I can I can get into one of the, the empty safe houses. Very good. Thank you. Um, shall we? And he holds an arm out to put it around your shoulder so that you can help support him. And he's got Tiresias under the other arm. Yeah, let's cut this way. I'm going to use the shield spell on Megan and Kester and Tiresias as they take off. We'll regroup back with James. Okay, I'll meet you there. I'm summoning the motorcycle with the sidecar and... If anybody is particularly rough, getting them seated and just trying to lead the way out of this chaos before we're spotted by anyone else. Stay safe. You too. And we fade out on this city street as Megan leads Kester and Tiresias into an alley. Tass starts to burn his way on his fiery motorcycle down the street, clearing a path. And Jake and Kim help usher the oracles towards the rookery. All right, so here we are back in the faction turn. A little time is going to pass. Some events are going to happen, both because of you all trying to do things. Also, some of the factions in the circle trying to accomplish some stuff. Uh, but before we get into that, do we want to talk about your dread experience? I know there were some mechanics that were happening that you all weren't aware of. Do you have any questions about it? I'm just curious about like what was different with this one than some of the more kind of basic versions that we have done before. You know, we've done a few little things with Dread, but uh, nothing quite that intense. Yeah, really the biggest thing that was different here was the overall event timer and then the sometimes used pull timers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So like, I, I mean, I think we had a good idea of that in a few moments where it was very specifically like, and action has happened based on nothing other than you casually glancing at something. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we have to assume that that's those timers going off and like part of the building starting to get destroyed or footsteps in the stairs, things uh -huh. like that. I, I like that. It Well, it adds a little, um, a little dread to it. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> that is an NPC. I think it's safe to say that you will never meet. But the footsteps that you heard coming down those steps at minute 40, so... My event timer was every every 10 to 20 minutes, sometimes five, something would happen unless something was done to prevent it from happening. Uh, so at minute 40, one of the kind of monstrosities employed by Aiden was released, Humphrey the Combiner. Oh, my gosh. And uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> Jake remembers that name. <laughs> 
Uh, that is TJ's character from Fate of Cthulhu oh. with the ability oh to absorb other people into his body yep. and use their mass. And so he was coming down the stairs to absorb anyone he could find and fight you. Oh, I remember that. Oh, nice. that was so gross. I'm so thank you so much for not letting that happen. <laughs> So you mentioned that you had things on a timer that were set to go unless we prevented them. Did we prevent any of the things that you had on your timer? Sounds like Humphrey the Combiner. Yeah. Other than that, no. Oh, good. <laughs> um, but I think it's because you all had such a strong drive towards protecting all the people and getting them out. It was really interesting the way Tass was using his super speed to collect all the people and pretty early on I was like okay so are you like looking for things to help you or are you looking for people and you're like I'm looking for people and I think that kind of put us all in a mindset of that's the goal get the people get down and get out um, and so a lot of the stuff that could have helped you in different situations on the timer just never got searched for because you were all kind of doing other things as Tass was searching the floor solo specifically for survivors yeah and I think it was it was definitely I mean, dread is the right word. Like we were aware that there was a timer that we couldn't see. And we just had descriptions of this building like crumbling down literally above us and breaking apart as we're trying to descend and fight things. And then it's like, you're in a movie theater. What are you looking for? And I'm just like, nothing, man. I'm trying to go. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Yeah, I'm, I have no idea. There definitely was a lot of like anxiety and like panic and like trying to make pulls and like keep your mind straight and like follow the story. So I think it was a very good game mechanically for the story that we were doing. I mean, I think, you know, a tower crumbling yeah. and falling down is very thematically appropriate. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about some faction moves. What would you all like to do during your faction turn? Uh, well, first things first, I believe I have a role of foretellings that I do. Oh, that's right. So that's a nine. So on a mixed success, I can choose one of three like kinds of visions to have, like someone's plotting a betrayal, there's a threat closing in, something like that. And then uh, you tell me the character that I'm having this vision about. Okay. An ally is plotting a betrayal. The MC will tell you when the hammer will fall. And you tell me whose future I'm seeing. All right. So the vision that you have is of... Borbok. Uh, Borbok is going to be betrayed. Oh, okay. Ooh. By Sweet Vendetta. Oh no! Uh, because Borbok <laughs> took the hairs to try to like make himself more like Sweet Vendetta. What Borbok doesn't know is that infusing those hairs into himself will allow Sweet Vendetta to take him over, and it's going to happen the first time that Borbok goes out in his new fiery form. And Sweet Vendetta is also out for the night via the open gate. I don't like this. This this sounds like a whole lot of horseplay. Mm. What are you all doing for your city moves? I am going to tend to my business. I think this is a week of making sure that all of the oracles that we rescued from the vault are okay in the rookery. It's trying to go through the rubble of the vault to see if there's anything salvageable. It's um, looking through what little of Strom there is left. It's arranging funerals for Al and the other people that were lost in the vault. It's, it's a lot of that. All right. So when you tend your business, instead of meddling in city affairs, 
tell the MC how you pass the time and roll. On a hit, an interesting opportunity presents itself. The MC will tell you what you need to do to seize on it. On a 10+, ask the MC a follow-up question. They will answer it honestly. On a miss, an NPC interrupts your ordinary life to cash in a debt, mixing you up in a mess within your circle you'd rather have avoided. All right, so let's see that roll. Seven. So I think that as you are taking the time to deal with all things House of Strom related, at one point you go to visit Kester and Tiresias in the safe home that Megan had put them up in. And as you come in, Tiresias has made two cups of tea, and he slides one across to you. I realize that there are many things for us to be dealing with right now, but there is one rather large thing that needs to be dealt with, and that is who is going to take control. I'm not exactly sure what it is that you're doing. Strom was very tight-lipped about your activities. I could do it if you would like to keep your anonymity and be able to work more freely, or if you would like to take over. I would gladly stay in hiding, and I could be of great assistance to you in whatever it is you're trying to do, Tiresias as well. Castor, I think that one of the biggest priorities is making sure that you and Tiresias stay safe. I don't trust Aiden when he says that he was only going after Strom. I think he's going after all of us. So keeping the two of you safe is important. I, huh. So I guess that means I take over, at least on a temporary basis. There's a, a chance that Strom might be able to come back. I don't exactly know the details of that, but I'm, I'm going to look into it. Yes, I'd heard stories that she was quite resistant, always seems to find a way back. I sincerely hope that it's more than just stories, but we'll see. Very well. And so, Kim, this will not come into effect until the next faction turn, but taking over House of Strom does move your status with power to two. Okay. Who's next? Uh, I would like to attempt to weaken someone's standing. Okay. Who and how? Aiden Chambers. That son of a bitch. Go on. I think... I want to start spreading the rumors from the various people that got out, from any of the vampires that were left and under his employee that were fighting. I want to spread the rumors that not only was he the one responsible for what happened with uh, Strom, but that he just came and watched as his people got slaughtered and didn't even jump into the fight, that he went in for this ham-fisted attempt, and yeah, sure, maybe he brought the place down, but... How sloppy for so many people to get out, and he didn't even jump in to help his people as they got wrecked. All right, roll it. Six. All right, who's next? Uh, I'm going to put out the word. Okay. I am looking for information on Lady Gen Z. So looking within my own circle, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to head to the cloud gate uh, and wait for... Lana to show up. I mean, I didn't really get a chance to talk to her before she sent me back from Seattle, but I kind of just want to see what happens when she shows up. If she's bringing more humans, kind of get them ready to be sent back to the red line and just talk with her a bit and see what information she knows. Okay. And so for put out the word, um, you know, you're looking for, in this case, it seems secret information. What specifically do you want to know? I kind of want to know Gen Z's deal. Like what what kind of drives her? She's come in and she has all this power over all these demons. And we really need a way to like get in with her to be able to get to her item. And she seems very intimidating. And I just want some sort of information that is not readily available uh, that I can maybe utilize to get closer to the item. 
All right, roll it. Ten. All right, so during the course of this week, at midnight, we find Lana dropping someone off at Cloudgate, and she recognizes you. Oh, hello. Hi, Lana. Uh, just just a second. Uh, just can you just stay here for a moment? Okay. Uh, and I would like to motion to the other member of the red line that I brought with me to kind of get these humans that Lana has brought and uh, take them back. They uh, hustle off into the night. Hey, how are you? How you doing? Okay. Good. It's it's great to it's great to see you again. Um, I was uh, I was just wondering if I could ask you a couple of questions. We didn't really get a lot of time to talk the last time we saw each other. I haven't come to visit yet, but I'm gonna. Great. I'm sure everybody would be really really glad to see you. Um, I I had a couple of questions though. Uh, we we had learned that you were the person that was bringing uh bringing humans here. Uh, I'm just kind of curious about how you got into this and. People have said that you're maybe connected with working with Tranquil Silence. They just claim me because I seem like a ghost. I get that. Yeah. Um. Do you do you claim them? I don't know. What does that mean? Like, do you know the person that's in charge of Tranquil Silence, or do do you talk to them? Do they do they talk to you? No. I go there sometimes just to see people. I know a couple of folks, but I'm not involved with the the politics. There was too much of that before. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. I don't I don't blame you for staying out of that. Um, but I mean that's that's great. I I definitely be interested in in hearing about some of that and maybe meeting some of the people that that you know there. Um, well, you were there and you know just listening and trying to maybe overhear whatever people were talking about. Did you ever hear them talk about Lady Jency? She heads up the like demon family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What's her deal? She seems really powerful, and we're kind of trying to get into maybe talk with her or get into her office to meet with her, and we don't really have a good reason to. So I'm just curious about maybe what you've heard in your time here. I know what we think she wants. Oh, what's that? She wants to get as many on her side as she can and then take them back home. Take the demons back home? Uh-huh. Where's home? I don't know, but not here. Some people say that she was a failed monarch wherever she comes from, that she lost her army, her followers, that she was banished and she's rebuilding and she's going to take all the souls and all of the people who show her fealty and go back and retake her throne. That's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> not great, though, for some of the people we we know um that's really interesting i wonder where she's from huh father ohana thinks it's hell but he's a ghost now that seems kind of a strange thought still yeah i wonder if they maybe have some more thoughts on that um you said you were gonna come visit us soon yeah that sounds really nice i think that you know maybe uh jake and taz and kim might have some other questions that we'd, we'd really love to get into maybe talk to Father Ohana or, or anybody else that you, you know in Tranquil Silence. So um, we'd love to really have a discussion with you about that. Is there anything that you would like? She kind of seems perplexed by that question. I don't know. What's your favorite food? I don't think I really have a favorite food. It just kind of depends on what I'm feeling hungry for that day. I mean, I know that you've kind of been on your own for a while and you haven't really had a chance to, well, r- relax or be comfortable it seems like so if you're gonna come hang out with us like yeah we have questions but also we're just all really glad to see you and if you could just take some time to 
be with friends and be with people that care about you. I just, you know, if there's anything that I can have ready, like if there's a if there's a snack that you used to have all the time or something that you and, and Anastasia like to make, I can I can maybe have that ready for you. I can't really eat anything except for the waves that come off of people. When you're happy, when you're enjoying your favorite thing or around your favorite people, they're better. Okay. I can I can work with that. Okay. I'm going to go now. All right. Uh, bye. Uh, bye. And she just starts to fade <laughs> away. <laughs> great, great, to, great to see you. And I, ho- okay, she's gone. Well, um, and now I'm alone. All right. Well, damn, I need a ride. <laughs> All right. So, Jake, what are you up to? Oh, I hate to say it, but I think I'm also going to try to weaken someone's standing. What? Good luck. That that that's a hard move. You don't get that one done. I don't know why you're even going to try. Yeah. Who and how? Uh, Grayson Winters. Oh. Uh, I am going to start spreading the news. I'm leaving it. <laughs> yes. <day>. Uh, <laughs> that maybe people shouldn't be relying on him for security if he couldn't even handle, couldn't even keep his own house in order. Because mm. um, my hope is that he has to pull back the wolves or people stop utilizing them so that some of the places they're guarding are more open to us. Okay. Yeah. Roll it. I told you, bro. Four. I told you. <laughs> Let's just see what the next one would have been. Six. Cool. Well, at least I don't have to feel that bad. Like, I missed it by one. The face palm that Rev did just <laughs> when you rolled that four. All right. So with that, we move into the section of the faction turn where I spotlight some of the factions from the circles. So one faction from each circle gets to take a move. And the order of those, again, is Mortalis, Knight, Power, and Wild. I have decided what it is the factions are going to try to do, I'm going to roll for them now. And since a lot of things are shifting around, instead of rolling all of these and just kind of moving into the rumors phase, we're actually going to do a couple little things inside of each faction's turn. So first, Mortalis. The group being featured this time is the Red Line. Woo! And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Red Line! Uh, I won't tell you what they're doing, because that is part of what you hear in the rumor section. But during this time, Megan, you had talked a while ago to Grandpa Tincher about your powers. Oh, yeah. So here's what I need from you. He has done some research over this last chunk of time. You're going to give me four questions. Unlike moves that we're used to where you kind of ask one question, then based off of that answer, you can ask me a different one. Give me the four things you want him to try to find an answer to. And so you get more possible answers. The downside is that you might ask a question that the answer is, you know, nothing that doesn't exist. And you may have asked me a follow-up question to that one, which will then kill another question. All right. You ready for these? I am. Where do my powers come from? Why did I get them? Who has them now? And how do I get them back? All right. So when you come down into Grandpa Tincher's subterranean lair, you see that he is looking through a very large and beat-up tome for answers. And he seems happy to see you. I think I have some answers for you. They may raise more questions, but there are at least uh, some, some bits that I know. That's wonderful. So as for where do your powers come from, it seems that there was an event long, long, long ago. I can't find exactly what the event was, but in the doing of it, some gods died. Three. And when those gods were killed, they didn't totally go away. Just a little bit of them stayed, and it moves from person to person, imbuing them with the thing that made them what they are. Your powers, they come from a god called the Empath. 
You got them because it seems that you have some very deep well of emotions that you can empathize with people and that you have the space in you to maybe take on the burden of those thoughts, those feelings, whatever it was you used to hear. Who has them now? I, I don't know. It seems after you all vanished from your time, someone else did show up wielding them and had them for a while, but they died, and I wasn't able to find exactly how. And another occurrence of those powers, I haven't been able to find anything about them popping up again. As for how you can get them back, if you could get back to your time before that amount of time passes, I would imagine the host would pick you again. If that's not the case, I don't know. Maybe the person could give them up willingly? I imagine this is not like a Highlander situation. I don't think if you kill someone, the empath will then let you be the empath. Wow. Um, how long was it before the next person started showing that they had them after I disappeared? About two months. Oh, okay. So not, not a lot of time. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. I, I've never heard of this before. The, the empath, these, who were the other gods? I don't know exactly. I'm not even positive of the event. Well, it's more information than I had before I came here. So th thank you. I at least, um, I do feel a little better. Good. Don't thank me. Thank the boys, actually. This tome they gave me when we first met, very useful. I will. Next, we have Knight, and the featured faction is New Canterbury. So, Tass, as you are in your downtime trying to deal with the various things that have come up, one of the blue imps appears in a burst of flame next to you and holds out a card. Oh, hey, little buddy. Uh, yep, same, I guess. Uh, and I'll take it. You take it from them, and there's a burst of flame, and you are standing in the downstairs lobby of Lady Jensie's building. Okay. Is anybody around? You don't see anyone, but you do hear voices in her office upstairs. Okay, I'll just sit and wait, because I think that's probably the polite thing. After a moment, Damien steps out, and he gestures to you, and you can see that his eyes are big. For a demon who's kind of made of fire, it seems like he's sweating. Okay, so it's that bad. Um, Can I, I don't know, can I get a read off of him? Like, what level of worry I need to have here? Yeah, uh, why don't you roll a figure someone out? Because he... He isn't saying anything to you, but his facial expressions are tragically grotesque. <laughs> God. He's going on a face journey. Yeah. Seven. All right, so you can ask two of those questions on the list. He will ask you one back. Uh, and since Damien is in your circle, you also get to ask an additional question, even on a miss, so you get three. Okay. Uh, what does your character worry is going to happen? Damien is worried that you're going to be found out as not a member of this faction. And he is worried of that because you can tell he's not talking because he cannot talk. Oof. Okay. And so I think that's the thing he's trying to get you to understand is shut up because we can't talk in this room. Like not, not supposed to can't. Okay. Intriguing. Uh, I think I'm suddenly shifting to a little worry for him as well, as opposed to the constant worry about myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would ask, what's your character hoping to get from me going in here? Like, I, I, it's kind of a long-winded way of saying, how can I help you as opposed to just stay safe? What he hopes to get out of this is, frankly, the thing he wants out of this is both of you out of this room. Like, he wants it to pass and 
for it to be done and the two of you to be okay. So I think the thing that he wants to get out of this is both of you accepting whatever punishment is coming. Got it. How could I put you in my debt? By being the model underling. If you come in and it is clear to Lady Jency he has done a good job of reforming you, someone who was brought here because they have disciplinary issues and don't follow orders, uh, if you come in and seem to fall in line, that will reflect well on him. Okay. Uh, he wants to know, what is your character's beef with him? He, he's heard you say that like he and, and Strom are kind of the same to you, and that really hurts his feelings. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like, really? <laughs> what does your character worry is going to happen? Man, I don't know how this could possibly be conveyed, but it's really, it's worry over whatever I'm about to walk into is going to cause enough problems that it's going to be harder for us to get into this room safely to deal with the flintlock. Okay. Uh, with that, Damien turns and escorts you into the room. It is a beautiful office. Hardwood, a beautiful desk, very plush chairs, a chandelier. On the wall behind Lady Jency's desk, you can see the flintlock on a frame. Sitting in the chair across from her at her table is a face you recognize. Aiden Chambers. Ugh. He is holding a drink that Lady Jency has just poured for him. And when you step in the room, she stops and looks at you. Is this the one? He nods, and she starts to walk towards you. <laughs> now, my understanding was that you said we would be in line with the ways of acting, with the ways that this house should be represented, and I have just gotten word that just the other night you made a threat against the life of one of the other faction heads, one we are allied with, and no less in defense of Strom. I don't think that it's an act here at all that I do look ashamed because I am. I didn't want it to play out like this. <laughs> so I simply give a small nod. I'm curious what would happen if I were to ask you why you were aiding Strom, someone who has caused this house no end of grief. Someone who this good boy Damien has had a very long standing grudge with. She examines you for a long moment and then turns away. I'm not sure I want to know. The answer might just... Well, it might just push me over the edge and lead to some unfriendliness happening in this office, and none of us want that. So, Mr. Chambers, what can we do to rectify this in your eyes? Aiden looks from her to you and grins. Well, he made such a beautiful statement about my outfit, about how he loved the look of it, and he thought it was just his size. I think a few favors from him certainly would start the ball rolling. Of course, dressed just like this since he likes it so much. Lady Jency sits on the edge of her desk and gives a shrewd smile. If I were to grant you these favors, then the deals we have made could continue unhindered. Yes, I believe so. I have been more than a little absent in the past few months, and my house is out of sorts. I've been doing a little cleaning, so I think it will be nice to have someone I can send out for special jobs as a surprise. And Lady Jency nods, and she turns to you and to Damien. Get out of my sight. They turn on a heel and leave. He follows. The two of you make it down the stairs, and you see the sheen of sweat on Damien evaporate. Like he is no longer under this compulsion, and he takes a deep breath and pushes his way out the front door, away from the house, like towards his car. 
Holy fucking hell, man. Sorry. What happened? Let's take a drive. Yeah, all right. And the two of you get into his car and drive away. That brings us to power, and the featured faction is Clan Ozymandias. And during this time, we find Kim. Kim, where are you staying now? If the oracles are staying at the rookery, then that's where I'm staying. Jake, do you need a roommate? Hell yeah. We're going to get bunk beds. Okay. We're going to do masks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we find Kim unpacking her few belongings at the rookery. And as you are going through the things that you had on you, you do have essentially Strom's shell. Um, you know, the, the, the look that she had before she drained it of all the beetles. You're really trying not to say skin suit, are I'm you? I'm really trying not to say skin suit. Um, and as you are kind of separating the clothes and tucking this away, you do notice that with it is the necklace of the North Wind. God, I forgot that logically this would have been on her. I assumed that this had been lost at the vault. Um, yeah, I will hold it and stare at it. Could I use psychometry? Yeah, roll it. 13. All right, you get a hold three. The first one, what is the history of this object? This object is very old, and you get this weird sense of it existing in other places than this reality. You know, there has been just a little talk from them about going to dimensions, and you have read through the journals left by the IPT. There are some linchpins in dimensions, something that always exists. Like the Baba Yaga. Exactly. And you get the feeling that this necklace is another one of those items. Huh. Okay. Um, What bands, wards, or limits are attached to this object? You get this very strange read off of this item. It seems as if it should be able to give you a prophetic vision of the day. Like, that is what Strom has told you. That is what it seems like you have experienced her doing. But as you study it closer and you take the energy from it into yourself, you can feel that it interferes with what's going on with you, Kim, as an oracle. Strom had talked to you about how since the moment she became an oracle, she never had a clear or correct vision. It might be because the magic of this was interfering with her own new innate magic. That if she had removed this... She might have gotten useful visions, but that something about it, if you have power or if you have access to your power, they seem to scramble. So I think that there are two things that that means. One, if there was someone without power, they might be able to use it. Two, if you could put yourself in a position where you are cut off from your powers, you might be able to use it. So you're saying I can't just put this necklace on and then instantly know everything that's going to happen all the time every day. You will get some wild visions. Like Strom had been getting. This game is broken. You're going to get otherworldly <laughs> visions. Is there a way to keep it on my person? Because I don't want to leave it in my room. Is it like, can I put it in my pocket? Yeah, absolutely. Okay? Like, you could wear it. How do I want to say this? You could wear it symbolically. Let's think of it like, um, uh, what is it? You don't, Like, don't attune to it. Yeah, that's what I was about yeah. to say. Okay. <laughs> it's not okay. attuned, so it's yeah. not affecting you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I already use the the tarot as my prophetic tool. So, like, yeah. as long as I don't, u- like, say, this is my prophetic tool. Yes, absolutely. Okay, the, okay. The Strom had made this her prophetic tool, and that's where some of the interference came from. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so absolutely. Okay, cool, cool. Because I do, I do want to wear it. Of course I want to yeah. wear it. Um, and I think that you do <laughs> know that 
what it will do if you put it on and you have found a way to, you know, I don't know, put yourself in a, a Faraday cage of psychic powers, or if you put it on someone without powers, that, because I've worked on this a very long time, like, what do I do if someone ever gets this necklace? So basically, it gives you the ability to turn any failed roll into a success instantly, once a day, but it does, after that point, give you a minus one ongoing to perception-based things. Gotcha. Um... What secrets or mysteries has this object been privy to? That's a very good question. Thank you. I didn't come up with it. It's on my sheet. (laughs) (laughs) This necklace has been there since the beginning. That as part of the creation of any dimension, any reality, this seems to instantly be part of it. And at moments of great change, it is almost always present. And so it has seen the fall of gods, the rise of empires, but I think in connection to our specific story, it has seen what happened the first time death was captured. Do I see that vision? Yeah, I think so. I think that as you are are clutching it and getting these visions from it, there are eight figures standing in a circle. They fluctuate in the way that they look, but they all resonate with a different energy. And at the center of this circle is this gaunt, long-haired figure carrying a very long two-handed sword. And there are two other people there besides whoever's wearing this necklace in this moment. Like, you realize you're seeing out of someone's eyes, Mm -hmm. but you're not sure who. Standing to your left and right, on your left is someone you've read about and never seen. This ancient crone, hunched down, her flesh wrinkled yet stretchy. She's got these large metal teeth and she is watching what is going on in the circle. And then on the other side is this woman with long, dark hair and ebony skin. She is wielding a two-handed spear and it is shining with a bright light. And it seems like the three of them are waiting for a moment before they act, and then it fades out. Wow. Um, Okay, I'm going to put on the necklace. And as you do, there is a soft knock at your door. Who is it? It is Maxwell. I am here to deliver a message from the head of Clan Ozymandias. Uh, Yeah, I'll go over and open the door. In front of you is a very impeccably dressed older man. Uh, He's got silver hair slicked back and is wearing a very nice suit. With the change of leadership, the one who leads us thought it might be time for a meeting of the leaders of the circle. I agree. It would be good to meet everyone. Very well. Tomorrow night at the Carbide and Carbon Building, we'll be expecting you. And he hands you an invitation. I will look at it. It's dapper as fuck. It's, uh, (laughs) it says the same stuff. Yeah, except (laughs) he was reading off of it. Except really frilly and in gold. Ooh. Yeah. Does it say that I can bring a plus one? It does not. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Chicken or fish. <laughs> uh, and then that brings us to Wild, and this faction is the Lost Ones. So, Jake, as you are leaving the rookery, you notice that there are five or six people dressed exactly the same, carrying briefcases, the same hat, the exact same face, and they are just lined around your car waiting. Are they watching me? 
They're not. They are peeing the shit out of your car. <laughs> <laughs> They're egging it. No, they are admiring your car. Uh, I'm going to go back inside. As you turn to go back inside, there are four more of those men standing there, but without the suitcases. And they're just looking inside the building, but they are on either side of the door. <laughs> you broke him. <laughs> this is awful. They And they weren't there a, frac- a moment ago when I walked out that door. Correct. <laughs> I want to look around and see, Just is everybody these, like, is everyone I see these briefcase individuals now? They're not, but you don't see a whole lot of other people out on the street at this moment. Uh, I think I turn back to the ones by the car and just call out, hey, what are you doing? And you notice that they don't have their suitcases anymore. And as you call out to them, they turn in different directions and just walk away. What the fuck? I'm getting I'm getting one of them. I'm going to try and grab one of them. Okay. You go up and you grab a hold of one of them and they spin and look at you. And as soon as they're facing you, they look exactly like you. Mm, no. No. Who are you? What are you all doing here? We've come to take you for a visit. I hate oh God, this, this so much. scary. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. Oh God. I want to throw up. Uh, a visit where just get in the car we'll show you the way don't fuck with the fae <laughs> i don't know how to ask like overall this seems very creepy but do i get the impression that they mean me harm or does this really just seem like a, a very poorly calculated like they're not doing a good job of making a good impression but like they really just like want to take me somewhere or show me something why don't you figure someone out yeah okay i would never be this nice to myself <laughs> They're wearing your face. Boxcars. Nice. All right, so you get to ask two. What's your character hoping to get from me coming along? Praise for doing a good job. Who's pulling your character's strings? Mother. Uh, I think I let go of them and kind of just push them away from me a little bit, like a couple inches, and shake my head a little bit, and then nod instead. Well, one way or another, this is going to happen eventually, so okay. It gestures to your car, and as it does, it turns back into the same look that they're all wearing. I'll go get in the car. You open up the car and climb inside, and there's this brief moment where it doesn't quite feel right, the car. The seat's a little too leathery, as is the steering wheel. The camera pans out of Jake's driver's side window, and we see the whole body of the car shift and shudder as the hood opens just a little bit, revealing a set of sharp teeth and a long tongue. A pair of eyes open just above the windshield as this enormous mimic drives off into the night with Jake inside. The Crit Show is a Crit Show Studios production, edited and produced by Brandon Wentz with music by Jake Purley. You can find more information about us at thecritshowpodcast.com. To keep up to date with upcoming live shows, contests, and other special events, follow us at The Crit Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For even more weekly content, join us at patreon.com slash thecritshow. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's the last days of summer, 1920. Do you know where your children are? They should be playing outside. <laughs>
Come on, Chelsea. Mima says we're not allowed to go to this house. We're not even supposed to be on this side of town. Doing their chores. Why aren't these chicken coops clean? Please, Father. I'll be good. I'll be- ah! Oh, God! Obeying their parents. You look me right in the eyes and tell me you didn't steal this bike. Ma, no! I've been helping Mr. Diamond, all right? Lord, don't tell me my son is working at a speakeasy. Exploring their feelings. Let's go over to the apple tree. Gosh, <laughs> okay. But unfortunately for these young fools, the neighborhood bully has other plans. Tonight, you are going to meet me out in front of the old Barnaker house. Howling house? Why? <laughs> now, a boy scout, a tag-along, a doormat, and a delinquent will dare to spend the night in the most haunted estate in Arkham. Will they survive to see the sunrise? Or will they succumb to the hunger of Howling House? You're going to die tonight. What is that thing? Is this, this the witch's library? I'm gonna kill you! Not tonight! Roger, make him stop! No! You watch! Run away, little ones. I'm so hungry. Listen to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's award-winning season, Night at Howling House. The complete story, available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and at CthulhuMystery.com. All the, all the outs and free, all the outs and free. <laughs>